It's Palm Sunday. Uh, uh, in a week from now, it's going to be Easter. Next to Christmas, uh, Easter is one of the most important days of the year. Uh, and in fact, uh, Easter is one of the most important days in the history of the cosmos. You see, on Good Friday, Jesus died. Uh, but on Easter Sunday, death died when Jesus was raised from the dead, never to die again. As it turns out, death is not the end of the story for Jesus, and it's not the end of our story either. The death of death and life everlasting, uh, that is what Easter is all about. Okay? It is good news, and it's cause for celebration to be sure, and in a week we're going to do that. We're going to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus we're going to celebrate the death of death and, and life everlasting. But before we do that, okay, we need to spend some time as a church outside the city gates of Jerusalem at the foot of a wooden cross okay, where an innocent man is suffocating and bleeding to death. Okay, we need to spend some time here looking at the events of Good Friday. It's interesting. Good Friday is one of those days that really exposes the fact that there are unseen realities. Okay? There are things that are real and true in this world even though we cannot see them with our eyes. And here's what I mean. Okay? On the surface there doesn't seem to be much that is good about Good Friday. Okay, on the surface, what we see with our eyes is an innocent man who is nailed to a cross and he's made to suffer a, a public and painful death outside of Jerusalem. Okay, that's what we see on the surface. That's what we see with our eyes. And there doesn't seem to be much that is good or beautiful or redemptive about that. But I wonder, okay, is it possible that we don't see everything for what it is? Okay, is it possible that there is more going on here on Good Friday than meets the eye? For example, what if this man, naked and writhing on a cross, is not just a man, but God himself? What if Jesus was telling the truth all along? You know, what if he really was the Son of God? What if God incarnate really was dying for the sins of the world that day? How would you be able to tell that? How would you know that's what's going on? There's a certain irony here. Okay, if you approach Good Friday thinking that the only things that are real and true are things that I can see, not only will you be blind to most of reality, you're also going to miss the meaning of Good Friday. Ironically, if you really want to see and perceive and understand what's happening on Good Friday, you don't need your eyes so much as your ears. Which is to say, you need to be willing to humble yourself and you need to be willing to listen. Here's what you need to listen to and what I need to listen to. You need to spend some time listening to the scriptures. We need to listen to Jesus. 
We need to allow Jesus to speak in his own words and say to us from these pages, look, this is who I really am. And look, this is the meaning of my work. This is a decency we would give any man. We'd, We'd allow him the opportunity to explain who he is and what he's come to do. We certainly owe that to Jesus. Okay, and when we do that, when we're willing to humble ourselves and when we're, list, we're, when we're willing to listen to Jesus, we learn three very important things as they relate to Good Friday. The first thing that we learn is that Jesus is the Son of God who came into our world on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. The second thing that we learn is that the devil does not want Jesus to succeed. Okay, the devil wants Jesus to abort this rescue mission. And the third thing that we will see is that this rescue mission was successful. Okay, mission accomplished, you could say. All right, these are the three things that we're going to look at today, but let's take some time now going through them, you know, one by one, one at a time. The first thing that we learn is that Jesus is the Son of God who entered into our world on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. Okay, this is the testimony of Scripture, and it's the testimony of Jesus himself. You know, in his lifetime, Jesus spoke of himself as the Lord of the universe. He said, I'm the one who is going to judge the world on the last day. That's who I am. Okay, when people started worshiping Jesus, and this did happen during Jesus' lifetime, Jesus didn't stop them. Jesus allowed other human beings to worship him. He received it. In his lifetime, Jesus claimed to be one with God the Father. He referred to him as Abba, as Daddy. And he even went so far as to refer to himself as Yahweh, as the great I Am. Okay, I could go on and on about this, but the, the main point is this, that Jesus claimed to be divine. Jesus claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be God in the flesh. And it's precisely these sorts of things, these sorts of sayings, that got Jesus in trouble with the religious establishment in the first place. Okay, the Jews rightly understood what Jesus was saying. The Jews rightly understood that Jesus was calling himself God and equating himself with God. And that's why so often when you read the gospel accounts and you see Jesus, you see a group of people around him with rocks in their hands because they want to stone Jesus because they think he's blasphemous. They think that he deserves to die. In his lifetime, Jesus was not saying, look, I'm just a carpenter, look, I'm just a rabbi, or look, I'm just a great moral teacher. He's saying he's Lord. And C.S. Lewis is especially sharp on this point when he writes, a man who is merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this was and is the Son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall flat at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Jesus is the divine Son of God. 
He is either that, or he is a lunatic, or he is a liar. When I see Jesus, I don't see those things. I don't see a lunatic or a liar. I see the Lord. And that is a conclusion that I have come to over time. And it is the conclusion that Jesus is driving again and again in the scriptures. Jesus is the divine Son of God. He is Lord. Well, if that is who Jesus is, what did he come here to earth to accomplish? You know, what was the purpose of him being here? Again, the scriptures speak plainly. Jesus himself speaks plainly. I have come, he says, on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. There are several texts I could cite that prove this point. John 3.16 is perhaps the most famous. We, we heard it in our, in our worship today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Now, lest you think this is just the opinion of the gospel writer John, uh, I want to remind you that Jesus is saying the exact same thing repeatedly, again and again and again, in the scriptures. In Luke 19, for example, he says, I'm the son of man who's come to seek and save the lost. In John 12, Jesus says, I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. In John 10, he says, I'm the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I laid down my life for the sheep. Again, many texts I could cite. The main point I'm trying to say right now is that the Bible is very loud on this particular point. Jesus is the divine Son of God who entered into our world on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. Well, this brings us to point number two. Okay, The devil does not want Jesus to succeed in his mission. The devil wants Jesus to abort this particular mission. Okay, The devil wants Jesus to abort his mission. Let's not assume anything. Okay, Why does the devil want Jesus to fail? You know, why does the devil want Jesus to abort this particular mission? The answer to that question is relatively simple, uh, if not a little unsettling. Okay? The devil wants Jesus to fail because the devil does not want you or me to be reconciled to a God who loves us. Okay? Jesus has come on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost, to bring us back to God, and the devil doesn't want that to happen. Okay, the devil is evil, but he's also very insightful. The devil fully, he knows fully well what it's going to take for Jesus to accomplish this mission. He knows that if Jesus is going to accomplish his rescue mission, Jesus is going to have to do a couple of things. He's going to have to live a perfect life on our behalf, and he's going to have to die for the sins of the world. Jesus, or excuse me, the devil knows that if that our sins deserve punishment. But if Jesus is going to be the one who atones for our sins, he's got to be a perfect savior. He's got to be a lamb without stain or blemish, okay, who's going to atone for the sins of the world. And that's why the devil is going to attack Jesus on both of these fronts. He's going to tempt Jesus to sin, 
And he's going to tempt Jesus to avoid the cross altogether. Okay? The devil is going to tempt Jesus to sin, and he's going to tempt Jesus to avoid the cross altogether. Early in our series in Luke, okay, Joseph preached on Luke 4 about Jesus' temptation in the wilderness. And I'd like it if, for a moment if you, have, if you would open up your Bibles and just turn there for a moment. Luke 4, page 734. I'll wait just a few seconds as you get there. Luke 4, 734. Jesus is in the wilderness right after his baptism. And the, and the devil meets him there and begins to tempt him. Okay? In the wilderness, the devil is tempting Jesus. Okay? The devil is trying to get Jesus to sin. And furthermore, okay, the devil, not wanting Jesus to go to the cross and, and die for the sins of the world is offering Jesus a shortcut to glory. Okay, he is offering Jesus glory without a cross in it. He says here in verses 4, 5 through 7, And the devil took him up and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, and said to him, To you I will give all this authority and their glory, for it has been delivered to me, and I will give it to whom I will. If you then will worship me, it will all be yours. Well, Jesus withstands these temptations, right? He knows who he is. He knows that he's the son of God, and he knows what he's come to do, that he's on a rescue mission to seek and save lost people. And so he resists the devil here. But look at verse, four, at verse 13 with me. It says, And when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. Okay? When the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. In other words, the devil isn't through with Jesus. Okay? He's going to wait a while, but at an opportune time, he's going to strike again. He's going to try and dissuade Jesus from going through on this rescue mission. Okay? Well, the days leading up to Good Friday, and certainly Good Friday itself, presented that opportune time. Okay? On Good Friday, the devil pulled off all the stops. On that day, the temptation to abort mission reached a fever pitch. Let's think for a moment, you know, what Jesus went through that day on Good Friday. Okay? Everything that was said and done to him was laced with temptation. Okay? In everything that was said and done to him that day, we can almost hear the devil whisper, you can't go through with this. This is going to be too much for you. Quit now. Okay? When Jesus was betrayed and he stood trial before a kangaroo court, and when men hit him again and again and again, and when they told him and mocked him and said, prophesy, who was that that hit you? No doubt Jesus was tempted to say, this is ridiculous. I don't deserve this. I want to quit. When Jesus was stripped naked and he was scourged, you know, when a whip that had pieces of metal and bone in it tore his body to shreds, no doubt Jesus was tempted to say, this is too much for me. I can't go through with this. I'm going to quit. 
when Jesus was led outside the city gates of Jerusalem, okay, when he was nailed to a wooden cross, when seven-inch metal nails were driven into his hands and his feet, the most sensitive parts of his body, no doubt Jesus was tempted to say, this is too much. I can't go through with this. I quit. You know, when religious leaders and Roman soldiers and the criminals who crucified, who were crucified beside him were saying, save yourself, save yourself, save yourself. In other words, abort mission, abort mission, abort mission. No doubt Jesus was tempted to say, okay, I will. I'm out of here. When Jesus experienced cosmic silence and soul-crushing rejection at the cross, when he experienced hell in our stead, no doubt Jesus was tempted to say, I cannot go through with this any longer. I quit. The devil waited until an opportune time to tempt Jesus. And on Good Friday, he pulled out all the stops. Okay? On Good Friday, the temptation to abort mission reached a fever pitch. In everything that was said and done, the devil is whispering to Jesus, bail, jump ship, abort mission. But Jesus did not bail or jump ship or abort mission. Jesus stayed the course and he stayed on the cross. And because he did, our sins were atoned for and God's rescue mission was accomplished. And this brings me to our third and final point. Jesus' rescue mission was accomplished. And because it was, we are reconciled to God. Jesus' rescue mission was accomplished, and we're reconciled to God. You know, Jesus' rescue mission was accomplished. He lived a perfect life so that anyone who's found in him can have a perfect record too. And this is a gift. His, His perfect human record is a gift that he gives to everyone who puts their faith and hope and trust in him. But it's not just a gift. It's also a qualification. Jesus' perfect life is what qualified him to atone for the sins of the world. It's because he had a perfect life that he is a lamb without stain or blemish, by whose blood he has the power to wash away the sins of the world. Okay? Easter Sunday is confirmation of the fact that Jesus' rescue mission was a huge success. Okay? Like I said, we're going to get to celebrate that in a week. But even now on Good Friday, you know, as we're looking at the events of Good Friday, there's indications that this rescue mission was successful and that sinners are reconciled to God. And I want to just call attention to two of those, okay, that are here in our text. Look with me at Luke 23, 39 through 43. Okay? The first sort of confirmation that Jesus's mission was a success, is embedded here in the words that he says to the criminal uh, uh, beside him. One of the criminals who were hanged railed at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said to him, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. 
Okay, so far we've said that Jesus has come on a rescue mission, right? To seek and save the lost. He came to sick and save sinners. Guys like this criminal, okay? Guys like you and me. Well, this sinner on the cross freely admits, don't mock Jesus, okay? He's innocent, but we're getting what we deserve. And I don't mean to sound harsh, but he's absolutely right. Okay? God created us to love. Okay? Uh, And he created us uh, to love him and to love other people. But we don't love God as we ought. We don't love our neighbors as we ought. We don't even love this world as we ought. So people like us, people who reject God, you know, who live selfish and self-absorbed lives, who use and abuse people, who don't take care of this world, we do deserve the death penalty. We even, we even deserve hell. Okay? But here's the good news. Jesus died for people just like that. Jesus died for people who deserve hell, who deserve to die on a cross. Jesus went to hell and experience it so we wouldn't have to. Okay? That's why the words that are spoken to this man are so remarkable. Here's a man who's saying, I deserve what's happening to me. I deserve this crucifixion. I deserve hell. And Jesus' words to him are filled with love and grace and confidence that that his mission is successful. He says to him, truly I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. Because of Jesus, because his mission is successful, sinners who, get, who trust in Jesus get to go to heaven and not hell. Because of Jesus and his successful mission, sinners are reconciled with God. Okay, this is a proof of that in our text, but there's another. Look at, with me at verses 44 and 45. The tearing of the curtain. Kind of esoteric, but really significant. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour, while the sun's light failed. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two. What's that about? Well, if you were to go into the temple, there was a curtain that separated the holy place from the most holy place. And this curtain was huge. I mean, it was 60 feet high, and it was 30 feet wide. No one was allowed to enter into the most holy place, the place where it was said that that God was to dwell, except one time, okay? One time a year, the high priest would be able to go behind this curtain. And this was on the Day of Atonement sacrifice, okay? He was allowed to go into that most holy of places uh, in the presence of God to make atonement for his people once a year. Well, this is the curtain that's torn in two on Good Friday, And the significance of that is this. Because of Jesus' atoning sacrifice, okay, this curtain, this barrier, this thing that separates sinners from a holy God, it's removed. The curtain which stood as a barrier between a holy God and a sinful people, it's torn in two. Okay, our sins which estrange us and keep us separated from God, okay, a separation that was symbolized by this curtain that hung between the most holy place and the holy place, it's torn asunder. It doesn't exist anymore. Because of Jesus' perfect life and his sacrificial death, 
Our sins have been dealt with decisively once and for all. This curtain has been torn in two. The thing that separated from, from us and God, it's no more. We are reconciled with God because of what he accomplished for us at the cross. Okay, mission accomplished, folks. It's awesome. It's so awesome. Well, we began today wondering, what's so good about Good Friday? Well, when we pay attention to these events, not merely with our eyes, but with our ears, when, when we're willing to humble ourselves and, and to listen, we see there's much that's good about it. We see the Son of God who entered into our world on a rescue mission to seek and save the lost. We saw the ways in which the devil has tried to tempt Jesus to get him to abort this mission, to find some glory that doesn't have the cross in the equation. Okay? And we see that Jesus sees this mission to the very end. Consequently, we who are sinners, right, who are estranged from God, are reconciled to God. On Good Friday, this is the turbulent and the redemptive drama that's taking place beneath the surface. Well, by way of conclusion, how is this going to affect us today? You know, how, are, how does this interact with us? I have two suggestions. Okay. First, let the story humble you. Let the story humble you. Jesus died... Jesus did not die for good people. Jesus died for sick and sinful people. He died for us. We are the lost ones whom Jesus came to seek and save. It's our sins that drove Jesus to the cross. And it's our sins that held him there. Okay, let this story humble you. But let this story also encourage you. Let this story encourage you because you're loved. Okay, as I've said from this spot right here before, cheer up. You know, you're a lot worse than you think you are. But you're a lot more loved than you ever dared to dream. Okay? Cheer up. You're a lot worse than you think you are. But you're a lot more loved than you ever dared dream. Jesus seeks and saves lost and broken and sinful people. Why? Because he loves them. Because he wants to be with them. He wants to be with you. Be encouraged. Jesus died for you willfully. He didn't die as a helpless victim. Okay? He died as a hero on a rescue mission. Jesus died as a hero on a rescue mission. He said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I've received from my Father. Jesus saw your sin. He saw how messed up you are and broken you are, and me too, right? Before he embarked on this rescue mission. He wasn't surprised. He saw that you were desperate for help. That's why he left heaven in the first place. That's why he came here to earth. You needed it. Your life's a mess. Mine is too, right? But he wasn't, he wasn't sort of confused. He, he, he knew what he was getting himself into. And he saw it, and he's like, it's worth it. 
It's totally worth it. You're totally worth it. Jesus did this willfully. And be encouraged, okay? Jesus didn't abandon you then when it made totally sense to do that. So he's not going to abandon you now. Okay? Jesus didn't abandon you on the cross when he was being crucified when it would have totally made sense for him to jump ship or bail. He's not going to abandon you now. Jesus has died for all of your sins, past, present, and future. One more sin is not going to make him leave you or forsake you. And I'm not saying that as a license to sin. That's an invitation to rest in worship. Okay? Jesus died for your sins. He didn't forsake you then. He's not going to forsake you now. Jesus entered this world on a rescue mission. The devil did not want him to, to fulfill it. He wanted him to abort it. But Jesus went through to it in the end. Be humbled. Be encouraged. He loves you. Let's pray. Lord God, we're so grateful for the redemption you won for us. Lord, that even though you saw us and, and you see us at our very worst, you think it worth it to go here on earth on a rescue mission to do what we could not do, to live a perfect life for us, and then to take our punishment and our place. You did these things because you love us. Um, you did it willfully. Father in heaven, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so very much. Thank you for the hope that this gives us. We're glad and we're grateful. Amen.